The following podcast is a production of Hardly Awesome Studios in association with the network. Find us at BICBP-radio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Silence Your Phones. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Chavez, joined as always by Sean Fritz. Yes, you are. Here I am, except that one time. <laughs> except that one time, but we're back. We are back. Um, it's crazy, dude. So I was gonna. We were gonna. We were talking about the movie that we're talking about today, uh, right before we started recording, and I was gonna make this comment that it's crazy how this movie ended up being the movie we're watching with what's going on in world events ironic isn't it it was really it really is i mean i know we were coming off of a somewhat world war ii movie in captain america but this is legit world war ii this movie you know what i mean absolutely it's of a time and about a time yeah and it's crazy that it's it still speaks to the times because obviously you know in the current times there's the the russian invasion of ukraine happening at the moment and we live in a time where because of 24-hour news media, uh, because of social media, we're seeing things almost in real time as they happen. A lot of that actually started in Vietnam when they had you know reporters, but yeah. it wasn't in real time like it is today. Also, shout out to all of our Ukrainian listeners. Shout out, shout out. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy because you can see things from the inside, right? And so like back in those days, the country was the enemy whoever the the enemy it was the country and anyone representing that country right no matter what they they were an enemy whereas nowadays you can see social media all over the place video of russians themselves in russia speaking out against this saying you know that this is not what they believe they, they're not for this and it's it blows my mind dude that we're in an era where this is kind of a thing and that's why like when when it happened i was like really this is really happening in this day and age. Like, isn't that kind of war, like invasion war, kind of archaic anymore? Yeah, and interestingly enough, you see them also being herded onto a bus and arrested. Yeah, or yeah. Speak mind, and it just makes it, you know, you just you think about like how bonkers is that? Because where we live, that is one of the bestowed rights that you can say what you want, as long as it's not defamatory to, you know, as long as it's not, you know, you're not telling you know, falsities or, or, right. you know, speak your beliefs in any manner in which you want and not be crucified or vilified for it. Yeah. Um, at least not be arrested for it. You know what I mean? And so to see this is, it's just, yeah, it blows my mind that it, that in this day and age, this is still a thing, but you know, by the time we're talking about it now, I believe it's like day 10 or day 11 of, of this thing that's happening and it's not letting up. Uh, it's looking scarier and scarier as the days go on. And 
it reminds me of, of a few things, right? Like, first of all, the, the fact that we were watching this movie was very a little bit more impactful, I would say, in viewing this movie, knowing what's happening in the world. But the other side of it also is, I don't know why, but this whole situation that's going down just keeps reminding me of um, idiocracy. Oh, you went somewhere different with that. Yeah, just idiocracy that we have people in power that are just idiotic and don't care and are ready to push the button. Yeah, it's, I mean, in a perfect world, none of this would happen. It's, it's, it's bonkers, man. It is bonkers. So uh, let's get into talking about the movie today because it's, it's a little much talking about real life, even though this is a, a, almost a, 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 you could almost say documentary style in terms of it's, do, it's documenting uh, historical events. We are checking out the George C. Scott film. Patton. This is Patton, a salute to a rebel, a man whom the New York Times described in an editorial two days after his death as a legend, spectacular, swaggering, pistol-packing, deeply religious and violently profane, a strange combination of fire and ice. George C. Scott as General Patton. They followed my plan. I'd be there by now. I'd cut off the retreat of every damn German and hang it on his island. I didn't pick you. Carl Malden as General Bradley. I picked you one of the best field commanders I've got, but you don't know when to shut up. George, you're a pain in the neck. Sicily. France. The Battle of the Bulge. I will be proud to lead you wonderful guys into battle anytime, anywhere. Pat. Rated M. George C. Scott as General Patton. Um, so this is what Google says is the plot of the film. The biography of controversial World War II hero General George S. Patton. The film covers his wartime activities and accomplishments, beginning with his entry into the North African campaign and ending with his removal from command after his outspoken criticism of U.S. post-war military strategy. And that's accurate. It's very accurate in terms of that's the plot. Yeah. And, it, you know, it goes into a little bit more detail, which just showing what led to those circumstances and mm-hmm. Um, just some of the bonkers ideas that he has and believed and yeah, you know, the way he comes off brash and, and just uh, what's the word? I mean, he, he effectively, it's is a more common word. He kind of gaslights a bunch of people uh, <laughs> about certain things. And, you know, it's uh, uh, however, it does come from a time when quote, you know, when, when people were different. Mm-hmm. I mean, a man that was born in the 18, late 1800s and his first war was that he fought in was before World War One. So there's none of those left around to, you know. Right. That, and that's and that's the thing. So this has a plot in terms of it's not really a plot, right? Because it's it, it's again, it's more of a biopic. It's the, it's it's telling the story of this time in his life. But also for me, this film is legit a character study of the, who this man was. And like you said, there's all kinds of side, there's th- these different sides to him, right? He comes from a side where it's just like it, it, they they were cut from a different cloth, you know. People of those generation that that generation back then, you know, they they just the things they lived through, be like you said, before World War II, they're already hardened and, and ready to go. And when you see what this guy's like personality is, the way he's just kind of like 
war is war. This is not about, you know, diplomacy. It's about you go in, you kick their asses and you make sure they know you kick their asses. And there's no such thing as retreat. There's no such thing as going back and regrouping and going ahead. Um, honor, you know, it's honor, it's strategy. It's, it's, you have a duty to your country and, you know, they depict a lot of it in a positive light with the surrounding figures you know, from the top of the top to the bottom of the bottom. They talk about how Patton was a um, he believed in reincarnation. He truly did. But he was also a student of the ancient wars, the ancient generals, the ancient armies. Right. Like he knew a lot about Julius Caesar, about um, I forgot who else it was he names in this in this. But he knows a lot about these 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 kind of ancient generals and how they were, you know, war heroes. And in his mind, he was here. He was at a, he was already in Europe back in those days in the ancient times fighting amongst these. Cause he's in his mind, he's a reincarnated soul of a soldier of, of somebody who's just meant to, for war, meant to fight. Yeah. And he has zero, zero empathy for anyone that might be afraid or get stressed out. And back in the day, they called it shell shock, right? Now we know it's PTSD. Um, zero empathy. None. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he was he's shoot you dead. Well and, and well, and there's a point in the movie where he does that, not with people, but you know. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> but the uh the it, it's just very interesting how we were talking about this as we watched the movie. The you know, once you, you know, where he's looking over the, the, the tank where they ran out of supplies mm -hmm. and uh, you know, fight it out. And pretty much everybody was, nobody was, nobody was left standing in one piece. If you were, you weren't in one piece. Right. He just looks around. He's like, I love this, this right here, this war. It's like, how can you just stand there and just look out over what happened to people underneath you and say, Yep, this is what we saw, we all signed up for. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is what you continue to sign up for. Um, but you know, it, it, I, I said, how can you just look? It, it's such an interesting mindset to be in, where you can just look, not flinch, where you see parts of people, and people not attached to their parts. Right. Just not even bat an eye when the guy beside him was like, oh. Um, Oh, yep. Yeah. Mm, this is, you know, ugh. let's, uh, let's go ahead and turn around the other way and not look at this, mm -hmm. you know, but once you get to, you know, general status or Lieutenant general, or, or I'm not familiar with the ranking systems. And I know they're a little different for each branch of the military, but when you get to that point, I guess you're just so hardened to it, especially when you've lived and, and participated in two other wars from such a young age, you're just, that's what, that's all, you know, really. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, it, like I said, he's, he was a student of this. This was something that he just lived and breathed. It was war war strategy, the greats of war generals, even in this, right. He, there's a, at the beginning of the film when, uh, when he's first in North Africa, um, you see this point where the Americans come across the, the Nazis and Rommel, is that his name? Rommel was the, the other general. Rommel, yep. And, um, and as much as he hates the Nazis, right? And in his mind, the only good Nazi is a dead Nazi. He has this like utmost respect for General Rommel and his strategies and the way he does things as well. You know what I mean? And but 
so much respect that he studies him. He studies him to know how to counter him and how to how to beat Rommel. And Rommel, the same way, has that same kind of a respect, right? Like, I hate this man and I want to see this man dead, but he's got the highest of my respects. You know what I mean? But yeah, this, you know, the whole film takes us through these different campaigns. Uh, we see him in North Africa. We see him base. He's assigned to um, I don't know what he call it. Not platoon. Um, uh, uh, I, I forget what it's called. Uh, almost like an inf- infantry division. Yeah, he's assigned to one that would, you know, are they're not that good. They're really not that good at all. And he comes in and, you know, with his style of disciplinary, you know, just that kind of authoritative, no nonsense. You know, I'm going to make these guys bleed, you know, honor. Uh, he turns them around. He does turn them around. And they we start to see more success in North Africa. But we also see that he's kind of competing with uh, the British general Montgomery, which the guest is a lot of this was based on his book. Francis Ford Coppola actually wrote this with Edmund H. North, and they base it on the book Patton or Deal and Triumph and another book called A Soldier's Story by that was Bradley's memoir, General Bradley's memoir. So a lot of these things that we see in this movie are. You know, in terms of what happened with the war, what happened with movements and how they, they, you know, what we're seeing in terms of strategies, in terms of him kind of duking it out with Montgomery for for like glory. Uh, these are all things that really did happen. A lot of the, the things that you see, maybe when there's interactions between he and Bradley coming from Bradley's memoirs are one sided. But still, you know, it's if we can take a lot of what we see in this film to be pretty accurate. Still going to be fictitious, you know, fictionalized parts. Yeah, there's going to be some some uh, flight of fancy is not the right word, but some some liberties taken. I, I think that's with most movies, but you know, I would <laughs> from the way it was portrayed that it was, you know, pretty pretty true to life. I'd like to know if the this was true when that plane was coming by and shooting the shit out of the town and stuff. He just went out in the middle of the street and started shooting with his, his pistol. Like, and you see the bullets just kind of stop right at his legs, and that's it. Like, they don't mow him down; they just kind of stop there. Well, uh, and you know, right before that, they set it up uh, in in the story, good storytelling, that he's not afraid of a bullet coming at his nose. And uh, I mean, I guess when you get to that point in your life at that rank you're not afraid of yeah your biggest fear is failure not you know die i guess uh you know i think when we watched the wrestler we said the 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 best thing to do is die in your as you're doing your passion maybe that was his not um not a suicide mission but you know that would be the most honorable thing is to die in combat yeah, I would say I would see him as that person. Uh, like I said, he was the guy that was just like, no, we're going to push forward. We're always going to push. We're not going to retreat. We're not going to dig. Our- I think one of his things was like, we don't ever dig our heels in. Like we push, we go forward. Not political, but he loves the headline. How funny is that? Yeah, right. Like he loves to he loves when people are are talking about him and, and put because in his mind, that's solidifying. That's solidifying him as one of the greats to go down in history with some of the guys he looks up to, like Julius Caesar and Napoleon or whoever it was. You know what I mean? Puts him in the history books at that point. Exactly. So the more he can get his name out there, the problem is, is that he's he still has the side of him where he doesn't know how to shut up. And he's, you know, because he's a military man, he's got this kind of disdain, disdain for um, bureaucracy with, with this kind of politics with things. He doesn't care about what the white house thinks or what Washington thinks. 
he's a man of, of, of war and he under, he's out in his element and he shouldn't have to take orders from them when he's the one out here doing it and knowing how the things are running. And he has a problem with that. He continues to say things that get him into trouble. He works his way up and they're like, you know what? Well, you can't shut up. We're taking you out, out of this. Now you're not commanding anymore. You know what I mean? He just kind of like brings him down, down a rung or two before he goes up a few more steps again. Isn't that always the case though? Like those that are not, um, those that are not in, in the thick of it are a little bit outside. They're in the bubble. They're in, they're in their own bubble. Um, but yeah, he's, 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 he's annoyed by that kind of thing. And he's also annoyed with the fact that a lot of decisions that are being made are not about fighting the war to fight the war and defeat the enemy. A lot of the decisions that are being made in terms of moves are about, again, politics and bureaucracy. Like, you know, he wanted to go in and capture a certain town because he knew he'd make a name for himself anyway. Right. But he that there was this thing where they said, yeah, you're not going to do this because we're going to let Montgomery take it. And it was like, what the f- Yeah, he's a strategist, not a politician. And there's I don't understand why there would be that part of the battle, why that would be on the battlefield. But it, it seems like it would take a lot that it would cost lives rather than save them. That's just my un. I, you know, that's, that's my, I don't, I like military strategy. I know nothing about it though. Yeah. That's, that's where I come from with that. Yeah, no, I think I'm the same way in terms of like, and that makes me think about like even modern day, right? Like how much is that happens modern day too, where lives are being lost because politics is happening where it's kind of like, ah, but this won't look good if we do it like this, or we want to make it look good, or we want to be the, do you know what I mean? And so like watching it in this film was, it's again, kind of an eye opening thing. But one of the things that not just his mouth is getting him into trouble, it's his actions. Like, like I said, there's this poor part where he's not supposed to take a town and he does it anyway. He goes in and takes this town in Italy and they're pissed. They're not happy about it. Um, you know, he ends up like we said earlier. Also, there was a soldier who was suffering from PTSD and he's just kind of like crying and whimpering. It's like screaming at him. What's wrong with you? And he's slapping him, telling him he's a disgrace to be in the same hospital area with all these men who are wounded and wounded honorably because they were fighting and brave. And he's like, you're nothing but a coward. And he's like, you're going to go to the front line. That's what you're going to do. No one's going to help you here. You're going straight to the front lines. He goes, I should shoot you myself. And he starts to pull his revolver out. Um, But this, you know, in his mind, that was him trying to toughen this get up. But that gets out and HR comes in and they're like, you can't do that. You know what I mean? And that's what happened. it goes to the, it goes to Eisenhower. Uh, it gets to Eisenhower. Eisenhower's like, yeah, that's not okay. Now you have to apologize to everyone. Mm-hmm. And he does, he makes him apologize. And again, he's a, he's a, he's a soldier. So he, he's going to do what he's told, even though he doesn't agree with it. Most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but that was his thing, right? Like he was about, there was a lot of posturing happening. There was a lot of, of making sure he made his name, but there was this, this kind of, I don't, this awe inspiring grit of a human to say onward, let's do this because we see that when he's put back in charge of another, you know, group of men that this is when they start smashing through and getting into, into Germany and to, you know, getting into the actual country, um, that started the war. So like to see that this guy's kind of career and we don't even see his whole career. We just see this small part in world war two, right? Like we don't even see any of the other stuff he did before that. Um, but we see this and it's just impressive to, to know he went into Africa, moved into Italy, 
busted through to Germany. Then he ended up being out in England. Because, uh, one of the things I saw was because I didn't catch it in the story itself, but I guess too much of the stuff he was saying was pissing people off. He, he didn't like the Russians. He thought that, you know, America shouldn't just end it with the Germans, that they should go after the Bolsheviks as well and take the Russians out while they had a chance. And uh, America was like, they're, they're trying to be allies. Even, you know, he even um, insults the, the Russian general while they're at this big celebration. And uh, they're like, okay, you know what? You can't do this anymore. We're relieving you again. Um, we're going to put you in England because it's going to serve as a distraction for you to be there. People are going to think that you're, you're going to be running armies there and Germany's going to have to get out. But so he's basically at towards the end there of the war, he was just being used as a distraction and he wasn't happy with that at all. He wanted to fight, you know, he, he was, he wanted to fight. He wanted to be victorious. He had, he had an ego to feed and, you know, the, the, the interesting part that I, not the only interesting thing that I took away from it, but, the, the biggest thing that I saw was obviously you've earned a lot of, when you get to that rank, you've earned a lot of you know, respect because not everybody becomes a, a general three, two, three or four star. Um, but the amount of just, it's like the rich keep getting richer type thing. And the amount of yes men that surround you with very few exceptions are just very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, the dude definitely lived quite a storied life. And for what we got to see in this what was it, almost three hours, yeah. two, two hours and something. Yeah. Long, long uh, with an intermission. Yeah. But what we got to see here was, was for me, it was ex- extremely impactful story and it made me, it made me want to go back and read more about this guy. Like I immediately went to his Wikipedia and started really reading about his life and, and some of the things he did before this, this part in the movie. Um, how did you come across Patton? Like, did you see this? You said you saw it once before? A majority of it before. I didn't realize it was this long. Uh, I hadn't seen the whole thing, <laughs> um, but it, it was, well, it was probably like 2003. And I think I was just, I think I was in my GI Joe phase at the time. Okay. Not that I'm not, not that I don't watch the opening three minutes of GI Joe, the movie on the regular, by the way, (laughs) just when you, just when you need to pump yourself up before a trip, (laughs) that like every morning before basic, you know, um, I mean, they'll fight for trouble wherever it's near. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I got to tell you, like, because the, I, the, this, the imagery of this film is iconic. I've always seen the picture of, of George C. Scott uh, as, as uh, Patton in front of that giant, you know, American flag, just kind of standing there silhouetted. And so it's, it's an iconic thing, right? But there was nothing ever that made me feel like I got to see this film. <laughs> I got to go back and see it. So that's why I was like what was it that that actually drew you to it but i guess if you saw it right there's going to be a part that impacts you to make you want to see it again i'm glad we watched it because we're going to get into our rating a little bit later but before we do let's get into the cast the people who played these parts uh right away george c scott who plays Patton. now george c scott for me i remember he I never watched stuff that he was in until more recently. A couple years ago, I saw the movie, the changeling 
Um, did we watch that? We watched that together, right? No, we didn't watch the changeling. Um, oh, yeah. It's a good movie, dude. His performance in that movie made me be like, oh, this dude's pretty good, right? And so to watch Patton, I mean, man, <laughs> I felt like he killed it based on the things I saw and read and and even the way he kind of looks. I was like, holy cow. There's pictures of Patton like in the in the field, you know, wearing specific garb. Some Sometimes he's got the bomber jacket. Sometimes he's got the, what do you call the little pointy looking hat that they have? It's like the, it looks like a little diner like hat a, it looks like a napkin yeah yeah uh but those pictures of Patton, the real life Patton, uh look like george c scott i was like holy cow like he really pulled this off yeah absolutely and what a performance captivate yeah, captivating strong uh in, intimidating but then there are these moments where you can it's like you start to understand this person on a deeper level like when that are supposed to go out to a certain battlefield. And he's like, no, turn here. We're going here. And he's like, no, the field's this way. He's like, no, no, no. This is where the battle was. And he's talking about an ancient battle. And he's standing there on those ancient fields, just kind of like soaking it in. And it's, it's, it's a quieter part of the movie, you know, for him. Almost like he's reminiscing. Like he was there, right? Like he says, I was there. Then there's that moment too, when he, they come across the, where there was all that carnage, where all the tanks had run out of gas and all that stuff. And one of the American men was still alive, just barely alive, leaning up against the, the tank. And he says, you know, well, what happened? And he's telling them what happened and how they fought for everything they could and all this stuff. And he gets down on his knee and he gently kisses the guy's forehead. Do you know what I mean? Like there's these moments where you're like, whoa, it's so black and white from, this other side of him where we see, you know, I mean, I feel like the way we see drill sergeants portrayed nowadays is because of general Patton. You know what I mean? That hard as nails shit. Yeah. I mean, tough as nails, the grizzled old war veteran. I mean, in one of the reasons that I said we should watch this movie last week was because uh, from an, from an interview, Tommy Lee Jones said that this is not a new character that, I, that he's playing. It's just the grizzled old war veteran. And, you know, he's seen everything and done everything. And, you know, now it's, oh, there's something new. Well, show me, you know, that cynical attitude of, I know what war is men and women killing each other. Yeah. You know, for a couple feet of grass. And I, I you know, my mind immediately went to, or what we're going to watch Patton partly because of that, partly because the movie is a world war two style movie. And, um, you know, I just thought it would be a good, this is, maybe what one of the, what the movie is somewhat based on. It was cool. I mean, it was definitely good. And and like I said, George C. Scott just kills it in this character. I mean, as, as, as Patton, not even a character as this man, uh, Carl Malden played uh, Lieutenant general Omar Bradley and Omar Bradley was a legit, you know, general back then as well. Um, now, Carl Malden himself served in the military. As I'm looking at his World War II, I see that he was in the United States uh, Air Forces, Army Air Forces, 42 to 46. His rank was a sergeant in the 8th Air Force. Uh, that was his unit. His awards were the Air Force Presidential Unit Citation, American Campaign Medal, and World War II Victory Medal. So imagine like having been there, right? And now you're acting in a film about the times in a film that's about a general that probably while you're there, you heard all kinds of things about this guy. You know what I mean? And it can probably better inform your portrayal and, you know, the script a little bit. 
that's just bonkers, dude. But yeah, so Carl Malden, I think he he played a great guy, you know, Bradley. Um, he played him in this kind of for a while, he was a subordinate of Patton, right? So there were times where like you know, he doesn't agree with the way Patton does things, but hey, you're Patton, you know, you do what you do. And then at, at, there comes a point in there, you know, as the years go on where they're equals now and there's he's starting to kind of be like, OK, you know, when I was your subordinate, I used to look up to you and maybe think that was kind of cool. But now, like, you got to you got to learn how to play the game. You know what I mean? He's, he's always telling him, like, you got to learn how to play the game. You talk too much. Then it becomes where Patton actually becomes the subordinate of Bradley um, as he becomes a superior later in the film. And there's this there is this cool little dichotomy with them back and forth in these different kind of roles. But they stay friends all the way to the very end of the film um, when they just kind of walk off. And I think there was a a, a um, like a professional, uh, a, an immense amount of professional respect and courtesy between the two of them uh, as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. hundred percent those scenarios where the student has become the master type thing exactly uh then we also had one of the more important roles in the film he's not on not on much but he is an important role is carl michael vogler as uh field marshal erwin rommel again you know i think they're playing german nazis and they played the part as german nazis right they were they spoke german they had this kind of contempt for the americans in the west and and it, it the performance for me was good it was it was enough for me to feel like everybody in this film i gotta tell you did nothing really took me out it was felt like this feels like these are gis this is these are actual generals you know this is the nazis if that makes sense does that make sense when i say that mm-hmm. it's it was serviceable it, br- it brought what you needed to the film there's a lot of people in this film but like for me, it was like mostly Patton, um, Malden uh, as Bradley, and then um, what's his name? The guy who played the uh, Montgomery, Michael Bates, General Bernard Montgomery. Yeah, him. And um, I didn't catch his name. Um, the guy that was in charge of him and his uh, superior, the guy that was in charge of researching um, Patton. Who, oh, yeah. And I had this sidebar conversation as the movie was playing was uh, how interesting when they were burning everything. And, and, you know, it was at the end of, it was post VE day uh, that, that the, uh, the command center was basically, you know, the, the, the command center playset was being shaken and the, uh, the included rubble was, uh, was falling. Uh, the, how he was romanticizing like the person that he had been tasked to study it's it's a very interesting um again they live in they they are operating in a very specific vacuum at that point yeah and he comes to appreciate everything that somebody for quote the other team uh, is able to accomplish man i look at these pictures of, of of the real life pictures of these people you know what i mean like general montgomery uh and and rommel and and it, i don't know man it's just a different time you look at these pictures and you're just it's it's like what you said earlier these people came from different surroundings and environments to shape them into these kind of hardened humans that they were you know what i mean absolutely and it, it's it definitely shows that quote of a different time you know the and you know part of it too you, you can say that it's you know it's the the work that was involved it was the fact that you know <laughs> I, i'm pretty sure you've seen the report that their skeletons were not as weak as those of men today. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's, you know, there's actual work to be done. There's honor in doing your work. There's, um, you know, there, there's just a lot more um, responsibility and um, to not just to your fellow person, but to your family. And there's a lot less opportunity to do it. So you have, if you don't do it, you know, your family's name is, you know, is it tarnished? I, I don't know. I didn't live in that time. Your but legacy. Yeah. That too. Yeah. This was a movie that, like I said, for me, watching everyone in it, just they felt like natural so they felt like soldiers. I felt like I was I was looking at a, a, a t- an actual window back in time to that time. It didn't feel like a movie that was when was this film? 1970. I did appreciate. We'll we'll go back. We'll go into that later. But I, I did appreciate the actual look and quality of the film because you know of how it's filmed in 1970. But in terms of acting, now is there anybody else that stood out to you or, or anything else you wanted to say in the acting? Um, I mean, I just thought it was it was done really well. The amount of extras that they had. Um, you know, and just the, you know, the way that everything was portrayed, um, you know, the literal fear that certain people had uh, on their face, um, you know, and, and just kind of the reactions to some of, some of the comments that Patton was making, um, you know, it, 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 it was, it, I don't know that it was legitimate because um, that's why it's called acting. Uh, but I, I do believe that it was, um, those that were put in specific roles and, and uh, had, had provided the proper reactions, the proper frustrations and irritations. Cause I think most of them were probably just, all right, we need a guy that can take the heat, you know, and, and whatever, but did a great job of, of doing what they had to do. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Let's go into another really big part of this film, the music, the soundtrack, the score. score is so i didn't know this man so we watched the burbs and when we watched the burbs and the the one dude that comes out the military guy comes out the music that they play when he comes out to put the flag up is the music from Patton. and i didn't know that until i'm watching Patton, and i'm like oh i get this now and but now in this context it's more like it's it's got more of a grand feel to it there's more respect to the music you're hearing does that make sense? Yeah, I, I thought I had called it out. It was either you that may or have, yeah, movie that, and I was trying to find a movie where, uh, who was it that Jerry Goldsmith? Uh, I think we had talked about him when in whatever movie we had. I know he did Alien, um, and I don't know if he did The Burbs or not, but I there was a movie that we had watched recently that I believe he had done, and I swear that I had heard. The, the the patent theme like, is that is that the patent theme in there somewhere I, I it's think amazing it dude i love it yeah it was uh i mean it was it was really good it, it evoked that expected response that uh a movie should do yeah and it's all score nothing there's you're not listening to any music from the 30s or 40s in this at all this is all score and, and as you said before this is jerry goldsmith and this, I mean, this this score is um, just phenomenal. No sound garden, <laughs> no sound garden in the middle of the battlefields. But yeah, but in terms of sound as well, let's let's talk about like the sound of the film, the sound of war. I mean, 
geez, Louise, this was on. It sounded amazing. I could only imagine if they had the technology today, right, to, to just make it more realistic. Well, they used a lot of the same standard sound effects. You know, you hear that that metal, um, um, you know, bouncing off of another piece of metal. Mm-hmm. There's a gunshot. You hear the loud booms of the tanks, uh, the air, you know, the air cover, the, 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 uh, Hollywood, you can use that. That's <laughs> yeah, so Sean's spe- special Foley work. Yeah, I'm a gaffer now. That's, that's what that's what does that noise, right? The sound oh thing. man, it's great though, man. But but uh, the battles accompanied with the score. You know what I mean? This kind of the just the symphonics and the and and it's there. There's a patriotism to the sound, if that makes sense too. There's the the, the flutes and the trumpets and it's a bugle, by the way. Is it a bugle? The bugle. Yeah. The initial. You know, I, I don't. I don't want us to get sued, but that. That's a. Uh, that's a bugle. <laughs> Put a little bit of reverb on that, if you please. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pl- I'll let you do it, and then play it real soft in the background too, like, like so that I'm first chair bugle. Oh, uh, it's awesome! But yeah, dude, I don't think for me I, this is just a top top score. This was great. Uh huh. Absolutely, and and I mean they play, they play that that bugle, uh, you know, chord pretty regularly, but they intermix it with a lot of other different sounds. It does get repetitive after a while, and I think that is a criticism of Jerry Goldsmith. Um, but I mean, at the same time, I think it worked out for in his favor. Oh yeah, easily, I'd say so. Uh, let's move on to special effects. For 1970, dude, 1969, 1970, when they were filming this before release, like lots of green screen. There's is is there a lot of green screen? I didn't really notice. Oh, I was gonna say this is wide open fields, dude. This is legit wide open fields, exploding earth, um, tanks exploding and rolling down. I mean, this these aren't models. This is legit. We're watching this. When when there was so the scene, the night scene where the where they run out of gas that we were talking about earlier, when they backlit a lot of those um tanks. And the silhouettes with, uh, you know, bombs and with fire behind it. Did you get? Did you get like flashes of a, of another movie that did something similar much much later? Oh, which one? C two Judgment Day at the beginning. Oh yeah, I could see that. Like very nice. Uh, and the angle, like like the cinematography in this is great. And I know that that's kind of what we're talking about, but kind of separate. But the, uh, I mean, that really, I, I think that. Uh, you know it's a very you know it's a dark you know, it's dark it's backlit and then you have the the explosions behind where you're at you know where your what your focal point is and you just make it dark so you can't really tell but also the when he goes into what he calls the cat house uh that that palatial estate uh that has the um, recessed tray ceilings and then in each of those those square mirrors the upward shot at the mirror not actually yeah which was really, really clever. I, I thought a lot of the cinematography that was done was really, really, um, uh, maybe um, not groundbreaking, but very inf- influential and, and uh, to future uh, directors as well. 
I like the coloring as well. The coloring on this film um, it was very saturated at times, but the skies, dude, when they showed the skies and how blue they were, it's a different, it's like this Technicolor style, like 1970s Kodak film. You know what I mean? That style of color. And I loved it, dude. Even the beginning when he's got the red and white behind him and stripes, just how bright that is. Um, and speaking to your explosions, there's also the scene when they're in Bastogne and it's I got the snow everywhere and then the explosions would light up white. You know, you just see the snow and the white tree. It was awesome. But like just like I said, to, to know that everything we're looking at there, you're not looking at models. You're not looking at fake little planes. You're not looking at fake tanks. These are legit tanks. These are. And, and they're exploding and flipping over. And and it, it was awesome, dude. Like for me, I was just like, holy cow. The amount of kind of coordination this took to film certain scenes, because there are scenes that, that are in this movie that are grand, like over big expanses of land with, with like hundreds of men and machinery. And everybody's got to be moving in a certain way so no one trips and falls under a tank. Do you know what I mean? Happened. Did it happen? Um, well, I think it was probably choreographed that way, but yeah, oh, there- oh yeah, <laughs> the guy that is like he misses, he barely he doesn't get touched by the by the, the tracks at all. Yeah, um, did you notice you mentioned the flag, uh, the accuracy of the flag for 1942? Did yes, you yes, because without two, it was only 48, 48 stars. There was a row of five, I'm sorry, there was a row of eight across and six down for 48 stars at the time, which I, I didn't notice it until this viewing where I just looking at it and I'm like, I just said, well, what do you notice about the flag? It's like, that it's big. I'm like, no, 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 no. There's yeah. more. Yeah. Alaska and Hawaii weren't States yet. The thing that I noticed is because once they did add those stars, it, it kind of shuffled off the, the, the lineups of all the stars, right? Nothing's line. Whereas in this it's lined up perfect in, in a block formation. And so I noticed that immediately. I was like, wait a second. Then I'm looking on my phone. I'm like, when was Hawaii made a state? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, dude, I thought, I thought a lot of the special effects in this look good. There's that scene too. I don't know if you remember this when they get to the carnage and there's this dude laying there with kind of one leg blown off. And again, that shit looked legit 1970 that was not cg that was awesome it looked great like this whole movie just looks amazing yeah i mean they put a big cast they cast a wide net for for this one with um all right we need somebody that's missing something you know missing the head maybe oh god it was crazy it's crazy good and and for it being a war film it's not that gory you don't really see much gore this isn't like a saving private ryan style you know graphic yeah, there were some graphic sections that were, I think, appropriately excised, like uh, when they're stuck on the bridge. And um, there is a point where he take makes the, I guess, the hard call. I don't know that I would have made that decision, but, um, you know, there are uh, two pack mules that are excised from the roadblock. Yeah, and when they're they, being stubborn at first, right? When they dump them off the side, the water is clean. It's there's no red that permeates the water. So, but then again, it would have been quote, you know, messy because they use the water as a reflection for them moving across the bridge, which again is an influential shot that is regularly replicated. Yeah, man, this, this movie from top to bottom for me just was good. Looked good. Sounded good. Had great effects. 
So I think it's time we start to say what our thoughts are on the film. We're going to give this a rating out of stars, right? Five stars for generals, general stars. Yep. Um, I'm going to go for, I'll go first. So I had never seen this before. Like I said, I never had the intent to, I'd been aware of this film. Um, there was never anything in the me that said, let me check that out. Even after I had seen George C. Scott's performance in the changeling and just really being really like floored by just by the whole movie. I was, I never thought to myself, let me go see one of his other most iconic films. And that's the thing. This is one of his more iconic films, this care that, you know, the fact that he played Patton and in the way he played him, um, I think forever solidified him as one of those great actors in Hollywood. Uh, it was a good, it's a, it's a, for me, uh, it's insane. I, I'm a, a huge, I don't want to say fan because it sounds weird to be a fan of an era like world war two. I'm more of a student. I'm very, I've always been interested in it. I've always studied it. Uh, when I was a kid, anytime I had to do book reports, it was mostly on world war two related things. Um, I remember when Band of Brothers came out. I mean, I just absolutely loved that, you know, Saving Private Ryan. So getting into this film was, wasn't going to be hard in terms of would I be interested in the content. But I, had, I didn't realize I'd be just kind of really blown away by the performance of Scott to make me want to look further into, you know, General Patton. Uh, and really the impact he had on the wars, which is funny because like I've always been aware of him and how he did have an impact and how he was this kind of iconic general, but not to this degree. And the fact that this may, this movie really brought me in and it's three hours, but yeah, I broke it up in, in viewings, but it wasn't because I couldn't stand it to watch it. It's because I had, I had to get to work. I watched it, started it one morning and I had like an hour and a half. So I was watching it and then I was like, okay, gotta go to work. I'll pause it here. Watch the rest of it later. You know what I mean? But I could see myself having watched this in one sitting and not realizing the time flew, at least until you get to the intermission. Um, now, that said, um, everything I said about it before, the acting, phenomenal. Music, awesome, right? Just iconic. Just the way it looks. The film looks great. There's, you know, it's this is one of those top movies for me, man. And it's only one viewing. I'd have to watch it a few more times. I could see it going higher as a rating. But for now... I'm going to land on 4.25 uh, general stars for Patton. It's high praise from a uh, first time viewing. Yeah. Uh, didn't, didn't even know you wanted to watch it. Very impressed. Very, very impressed with the film. Yeah. Um, so like, as I said, you know, I'd seen this or majority of it before and it does influence a lot of other things. You know, the, the big flag in the beginning and the speech. It, I mean, it com it tells you exactly what we're in for. Uh, a man who likes to talk, likes to hear himself speak, has a lot to say, uh, is good with his economy of words, uh, and it, and has high expectations for everyone under his command, um, because he has high expectations of himself as well. Um, you know that iconic flag was was borrowed, co-opted, reused, whatever you want to call it, by that of uh, GI Joe. I mentioned it earlier. You know the you always see all of them, all the GI, all the Joes in front of a flag, um, you know, that typically takes up the full screen. Uh, the, the, um, some of the, the shots from the cinematography were, were just excellent. Um, the, the lavish and ornate um, scenes that they had, like in the officer's quarters, uh, that one in Italy looked a little gaudy, but uh, to be honest, I'm kind of glad that she didn't see that scene because 
And then we'd have to redecorate. <laughs> I mean, it's got a little too much gold on it, gold plating and or probably, you know, uh, and the one in England was a little, uh, a little too um, tea time. And pink for my, from and, and too much wallpaper. I'm more of a paint on the wall kind of guy, not a mural, but paint is a solid color. Um, you know, the acting was, was superb. Um, you know, some of the quips and the comments were just, um, I don't know if they were standard things, if they were embellished, but some of the, like when he was talking to the priest, you know, do you read the Bible? Yeah, I read it every GD day. And, um, you know, just, uh, when he asked the chaplain for, to write him a prayer for good weather so that we can kill the other guy, you know, just the, the, the irony and the juxtaposition, um, of, of, you know, the first half to the second half of that statement, I don't know if it was an unintentional comedy or if it was just, you know, trying to keep himself entertained when all you're doing is being driven around in a Jeep all day. Yeah. Um, but you know, also from the, the, you know, uh, like I said, having somebody dress you in the morning, someone polish your helmet for you, uh, holding everyone to the same standard you hold yourself. I can appreciate that being, uh, in management, I hold myself to a very high standard. I expect my people to also do that. That said, I'm not going to go beat them up. <laughs> I'm not going to yell at them. I'm going to talk them into talk them through. How can we improve? You what know? are you crying? Because we're having a bad day. I'm going to put you at the front of the store today. <laughs> well, we're not in retail, thankfully. <laughs> I'm going to make you host this conference call. <laughs> <laughs> I should shoot you right now. Yeah. Here's a gun emoji. <laughs> Thanks, Apple. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, you mentioned that you're, you hate to say this is your favorite time. It, it's very interesting because I had a, that you say that because I have said that World War II in a, and, and I get the, I don't want to say implications or the, um, the irony, I don't think is the right word, the coincidence maybe. Um, I, 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 I can see that it's, uh, very, um, it can be interpreted in many different ways, but I've always, I've said for a long time that World War II is my quote, favorite war. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Not because of what happens in the war, not because of the, the ideologies of it, but because of the strategy and, and, you know, the vacuums, the power vacuums that take place and all of the events that, you know, battle the bulge German, you know, so it's just interesting that you say that you're a student of it, but it's not, your favorite time period. But for a lot of people, they feel that way because there's so many factors that go yes. into this, into this conflict. I took a course in high school. It was called study of world war two. It was super interesting. Um, you know, uh, the, some of the, some of the things also that I liked about it was that it, this movie is historically accurate. Like we talked about the flag. So there is a lot of detail, uh, attention to detail. Um, I haven't read the books that it's based on, but I would imagine that they're out of respect for those folks because they are real people and it didn't say based on right uh, as you know and maybe based on was not a thing at the time kind of like i can neither confirm nor deny replace no comment a lot of times mm -hmm. um the only the only thing that i really had about the movie that i didn't like was how loud it got but you know when when there is um, literal conflict when there are when there's ammunition being fired uh it just gets real freaking loud and I mean, that's probably for a reason, but 
um, you know, I just found myself turning it up and turning it down a lot, partly because I did watch it late at night in the second half early this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was also accounting for other people uh, and neighbors who may not want to hear you know, the horrors of war, you know, emanating from my living room. They're banging on your wall. Turn off that CNN. You're like, it's not CNN. It's Patton. This is in the past. <laughs> um, but, you know, all that said, uh, I, I do have to echo a lot of, a lot of what you had said. Um, I'm not going to repeat it because I forget most of it, but <laughs> so do they, I they pointed my, well, I'll check out the podcast. Um, but uh, they, they echoed a lot of what I was thinking and, and, you know, everything else. So uh, I'm going to have to go along with you. I think I might have to give it just a hair more. Um, I think I'm going to have to go 4.35 stars on this nice. one. Very nice. Yeah, dude, this is one that I'm very, like I said, I'm pleasantly surprised at, at how much I really enjoyed the film. I'm glad I watched it. Now it's one of those ones where I'm like, yeah, I've seen Patton and I wouldn't mind watching it. It's one I would watch again, for sure. I mean, the performances are just so, so good. And I love that era of Hollywood, too. Like, you know, the acting is just slightly different than it is today. So and the the, the choice of camera angles and the, just the way they filmed movies was slightly different. And I love it. I love it. I love that style. What are we doing next? So what's coming up now? Well, just for funsies, we're going to continue on with the war motif. Uh, I think this one's a little more tongue in cheek, a little less serious than Patton, but I don't think there's much that's as or more serious than Patton, uh, the person or the movie. Uh, we're going to do the 2016 war. Uh, was it? Yeah. Jonah Hill war dogs. What do you know about war? They'll tell you it's about patriotism, democracy, or some shit about the other guy hating our freedom. But you want to know what it's really about? What do you see? A kid from Arkansas doing his patriotic duty to defend his country? I see a helmet, fire retardant gloves, body armor, and an M16. I see $17,500. That's what it costs to outfit one American soldier. Over two million soldiers fought in Iraq and Afghanistan. It costs the American taxpayer $4.5 billion each year just to pay the air conditioning bills for those wars. And that's what war is really about. War is an economy. Anybody who tells you otherwise is either in on it or stupid. But I didn't know that yet. I haven't seen this. I remember seeing the the trailer for it and was like oh this looks kind of interesting and then i heard it was based on a true story and that there was a i think there's a whole like maybe rolling stone article or something about the this the, these uh two guys that actually kind of got mixed up in in you know the international arms trade but uh anyway guys thanks so much for listening we appreciate it um until next time sean you got anything you want to say uh, just keep doing what you're doing listen to the cdc they're lightening the uh the requirements but that doesn't mean that you have to follow you know if you're still have concern wear your mask but be respectful of other people and their decisions as well yep 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 and uh as always uh as i said in the past all the way up until now man war is not the answer give peace a chance until then it's now time to unsilence your phones (laughs) 